fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Road Street Journal. We're acting as your lead blocker to fantasy excellence, glory, championships, trophies, whatever it is you're getting, not getting a tattoo, all the good stuff that happens when you win your league. I'm Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Rotor Street himself. And this week, this is our Thursday night preview for the week, week seven. I think it's appropriate to kind of wrap it in a package that our buddy Seamus would appreciate. Bye, bye, bye. As Justin Timberlake would say, we got a lot of buys going on. We got a lot of high octane guys sitting on the bench. And on top of that, we got a lot of injured guys. There's a bunch of people playing. I loved one of the things that was on the RSJ uh, Facebook feed that said, name the worst player you're starting. (laughs) I thought that was fantastic. And we got some good answers. Um, So anyway, Wolf, how you doing? I'm doing good. You're right now. I was wondering where you're going with the Seamus, the bye, bye, bye. That made perfect sense. Exactly. You know, the Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, uh, just a ton of high-powered Steelers, too. Four of the most high-powered attacks on by. We are digging into the trenches. We are going deep into the ghouls and goblins to celebrate Halloween, baby. Nothing better than this. So I'm with you. It's it's great to see some of the creatures that are getting inserted in the lineups. We certainly have some creature recommendations we'll give you guys throughout the show. And there's tons of injuries that still have yet to be figured out. So we might be going into even deeper depths than we've realized quite yet. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. We got this gross-ass matchup tonight, but sometimes these gross matchups turn out to be the best of them. Yeah. So I can't wait. Let's get some football going, baby. Week seven, there's nothing better than these types of fantasy weeks where it's just all hell, throw as much shit against the wall. Let's see what sticks, baby. Who's the worst guy you got in your lineup? Uh, so I actually am pretty lucky that my bye week hell isn't awful. Like, it's my running backs are reduced to, like, Miles Sanders, and then I actually have a, a really big question. So Wolfpack – those of you already with us, please feel free to chime in and let me know your thoughts. It's Miles Sanders. I'm locking him in. I think he's going to have a good one. That's my running back one, though, so that kind of tells you uh, where we're at. I have Javante Williams or Alex Collins for the next spot. Collins did practice today. Just oh, really? Just we're going live. I'll probably go Collins unless anybody out there has a really strong case for Javante tonight because I keep sitting here waiting for that breakout week. He looks so damn good every time he's out there, but he's still sucking his timeshare, so – my guess is I'm going Collins, but I'd love to hear any cases for why I should or shouldn't go there. So, Wolfpack, that's my dilemma of the week. Get all your dilemmas in here because we will answer them all after about 30 to 40 minutes of a preview show. Nat, do you have any immediate reaction to that one, though? Um, my reaction is if Alex Collins is is going to play, obviously he's your guy. I thought he was trending towards not playing, so you telling me that he practiced um, – that's encouraging because I have Alex Collins. <laughs> it sure is, yeah. But, yeah, so yeah, I, I would certainly prefer him, uh, all things being equal. Yeah, Callaway's tossed in my lineup as well, a decent creature, but I think he's going to have a blow-up week, and we're going to talk about him in a bit. What about you? Do you have any complete goblins or ghouls I, in the lineup? I, not really. I, my my worst guy that's going this week is T. Higgins. That's really not that bad, although I don't love him this week. I, I, I don't love him, him this week either, but, I, well, if Alex Collins is playing, it might be Alex Collins. I might, you know, True. who would you – let me ask you this. Who would you start, T. Higgins – uh, Eli Mitchell or Alex Collins? Probably Collins if he's playing, but yeah, okay. he, 
That's Monday night, so that's also a tough thing. We can wait that one out till Sunday. My decision comes down to tonight, though. Javante's oh. playing, and I'm fucking all over the place. Wolfpack, we're going to dive into all these guys, all these injuries, and all the ghouls and goblins that you're sifting through. If you don't mind, give yeah, us that give us like. A thumbs up. Let us get out to more people. Share this out. Retweet it. Let us know how we can help you out and keep helping us out. We wouldn't keep begging for it if it didn't really make a difference. So those likes, all those thumbs up, they really do help us out. So thank you again, guys. Yeah. Now, we got some Thursday night. We got actually like a, two separate news blogs because Thursday night's pretty loaded with news right now. Why don't we dive right, right in? Let's get into it. All right. Uh, Thursday night football news. We're going to start with the obvious one. Uh, there's been a Case Keenum sighting. <laughs> Case Keenum's going to be starting for the Browns in place of the injured Baker Mayfield week seven against the Broncos. What do we think? Do you, you see any, uh, any, you got any fantasy love for Case Keenum? Oh, no, I'm not playing Case Keenum anywhere ever. I, actually, in a two QB league, I have to stream him in one, and it's pretty hideous. I The only way I look at this is I don't think it's a market downgrade for their weapons. Baker's been playing injured. Yeah. He hasn't looked like himself. Dare I say it might even be an upgrade. Like I could see. We, we saw when Ke- Keenum came in, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a couple big plays. Odell, I think, had half of his yardage with Keenum towards the end of the game, if I'm not mistaken. This could be more intriguing than anything. So I'm excited to see it. It is a tough Broncos defense. If it was a lesser matchup, I might feel even good, but he has familiarity with Shermer's scheme. He had a monstrous year just a few years ago with the Vikings under Shermer. I, I don't actually hate this at all. I really don't. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I don't hate it either. Actually. I mean, I don't on think the other side, downgrade. right. Yeah, no, it's not that big. I don't really don't think it's a big downgrade. If anything, it might even be an upgrade, which is kind of crazy on the other side of the ball. Bridgewater is going to be playing into heading into the game. You're firing up your usual guys, Sutton, locked in. They're giving up the fourth most points to wide receivers. The uh, the Browns are. You're locking in him. You're locking in Tim Patrick, most likely in this type of depth-ridden hell that we're in right now. Good spot for them, especially because Jerry Judy is still not back, but expected to be activated next week against Washington. If he is still out there at any waiver wires, remember, this guy had eight catches on like nine targets in a half before he got hurt. He was looking like the next great breakout star. So if he's somehow out there, go and scoop him up immediately because we're going to get him against Washington next week right into my lineups if that's the case. Absolutely. Um, I like also in the headline about Bridgewater that we have Jeremy Fowler confirms Teddy Bridgewater is quote-unquote fine. Fine. <laughs> right. In other words, it's like, oh, yeah, he's fine. It's like, is he fine? Are you being sarcastic? But anyway, t- Teddy's fine. He's um, fine. The Broncos are feel about him in fantasy too, right? Like, Fine. (laughs) So we know they're not activating Judy from injured reserve for the Thursday game. But like you said, he's obviously a scoop up immediately if you could get him. Um, Speaking of guys on injured reserve um, or not on injured reserve anymore, the Browns activated Jarvis Landry from injured reserve. And this is going to be his first game action since week two, right? It sure is. And I was going to say, get him locked in the lineups. Like not locked in. He's not a must play. I think I have him right around wide receiver 40 or so, if I'm not mistaken. But now Odell Beckham, just as we're getting on air, he was reportedly facing an uphill battle to play. He's going to be active tonight. So that makes this a bit more of a mess because Jarvis Leonard had a great stretch last year where he averaged nearly uh, seven targets a game, uh, 13.1 fantasy points per game in his 10 starts without Beckham. But now Beckham's playing, and it could be one of those situations that just gets dicey, gets ugly. So let us know. Do you have an Odell question? Do you have a Landry question? I'm now trending towards playing neither now that both are active. One or two might have a big day. If I had to go one or the other, I honestly think I might go Landry because Beckham's showing nothing so far since, <laughs> since returning. But ultimately, my my leaning is to sit them both. And certainly, you can no longer tr- trust uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and certain Hail Marys that we're looking forward to throwing in there. 
no longer the case with both of these guys active. I'm adjusting my rankings as we speak. If I seem a little distracted, that is why. All right. We don't usually talk much about tackles on this show, as in, I don't mean tackling players. I mean like the actual offensive tackles. But it has been reported that left tackle for the Browns, Jedrick Willis, is expected to play in week seven against the Broncos. Also, the right tackle, Jack Conklin, is not expected to play against the Broncos. Obviously, this is significant for the running game. It's significant for quarterback protection. This is like valuable trickle-down fantasy information. Especially when Von Miller's on the other side of Jack Conklin. That could make And he's actually – he's been making some noise before this game, right? Like, hasn't he been saying like he's going to – like yeah. kill somebody or something. Oh yeah. I, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't be wanting to line up against Vaughn Miller ready to kill me. Uh, Cause he could just do everything he wanted uh, at that point. So yeah, he's going to destroy them. I think Denver's a good D stream. I honestly think the Browns are a pretty good defensive stream myself. Maybe I'm talking into existence. Cause Nat, this is one of those things where I don't really have a good reason to play them, but I'm playing them in five of six leagues. Like I had no one else. They were somehow out there in every league. It felt like destiny. I'm like, these guys are going to get a strip sack, stumble, uh, fumble for a touchdown. That's what I'm praying on. I'm hoping it happens. But I, I do think this is the type of game. We just saw Teddy Bridgewater get sacked five times last week against the Raiders, who don't have all that good of a pass rush. The Browns, they have some faults in the secondary, no doubt about it. But they can get after. We saw them get nine sacks against Justin Fields. Wouldn't be surprised to see a four to five sack day if one of those turned into a touchdown. You're getting yourself a great Thursday night football stream. So I'm going all in at home. Bad weather. Let's fire them up, folks. Let me know what you're thinking at D. What do you think? Am I psycho? <laughs> no, I think this is this. I'd smash the under if I was betting this. I really do yeah. think that both these defenses are smart plays. I, I I think you're thinking clearly there. I just want to mention a comment that just came up from our boy Mitch Chavez. Ooh. He says, the men, the myths, the legends, CJ and the wolf. What? <laughs> Mitch, you know better than that. I mean, you see hair. That's all you need to know. It's not CJ. <laughs> that's our I just, wanted, I just wanted to bring that up on the air because I've been mistaken for Gronk before, but I've never been mistaken for CJ. All no, right. No, I wouldn't mistake you for that, but wow. <laughs> Big mistake, Mitch. All right. Do you want to talk to Sean Watson at all, or do you want to go right into the injuries? Uh, I mean, we certainly could. What are, what are your thoughts on it real quick? I covered him right. last night. Well, what, what are your thoughts on him? I'll, I'll keep it real quick. I picked him up just reflexively because anytime I see a story when somebody is like maybe becoming available, I, uh, I just reflexively pick them up. And, yeah. you know, I've done it before. And it was, I did it when Le'Veon Bell went to the Ravens like in week one. I just randomly picked him up, dropped him probably like four days after that. I picked him up. I would love to flip him immediately. I see the potential in the guy. I have a quarterback that I like, so I don't see him becoming my quarterback. But uh, I would flip him for almost anything. Can I tell you the trade that I put out there for somebody that got rejected? Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I put out Deshaun Watson and Ryan Suckup for Justin Tucker. Andrew, and I got turned down. Andrew got rejected. Yeah. <laughs> I love the effort. A for effort. I mean, I figure, you know, like I, I, I'd upgrade my team by three points a game. Yeah, absolutely. I tried. Honestly, you know, if I'm him, I would consider that. See, my playlist. And his quarterback situation sucks. He has Russell Wilson. He's on the IR. Like he's he's picking guys up off waivers. It really isn't like an asshole insulting offer on your end. No, no, no. He didn't take it that way. He thought it was interesting. He just said no. It's certainly intriguing. I what I'm doing everywhere, and I don't own like Tucker or anything of that nature. I've been cutting my kicker in every league and just stashing him to see do we get any news before Sunday? Like if he gets traded by Sunday. Then we know. I might cut him and send him to the waiver wire again for next week. I do kind of want to hold out till November 2nd when the trade deadline passes and then officially cut bait because he's clearly not going to be playing 
with Houston this year. I think it's worth it, though. I mean, the Panthers reportedly made some calls. I would love that situation. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, like Terrace Marshall. That would be the, probably the jackpot unless Pittsburgh suddenly just drops a bombshell and got rid of Big Ben. I don't expect that. Uh, but it sounds like Miami is the realistic landing spot. They are apparently in heavy negotiations, according to John McClain. But then there's like, nope, it's a smokescreen. It's all coming out from Houston. They're trying to drive up interest. Washington has no interest in Tua, who was supposed to be the three-way trade partner. I don't think anything happens. My guess is it doesn't with no legal clarity at this point. I still think the upside of the league-leading passer last year is worth stashing for right now because it's a very easy cut. And I get it. We're in bye week hell, so if you can't, you can't. Okay, I get it. But most of us, at least drop your kicker for now and let's see what happens, huh? That's what, I, that's what my opinion is on Deshaun. All right. Those are our takes on uh, Deshaun Watson. We're pretty much in agreement. All right. We're going to go back and forth fast on these injuries, okay? We're going to start with the quarterback realm. Jimmy G, he had his calf injury. He's practicing again Thursday. He's trending towards returning for Sunday night's game against the Colts. Um, you know, Lance still sidelined, meanwhile. So, I mean, it seems like, you know, we thought Jimmy G is going to go for a while, hand it off to Lance. You know, at some point, I know that was kind of our narrative at the beginning of the year. It seems like it's still Jimmy G's team and still further no- until further notice, right? Absolutely, yeah. It hurts Trey Lance's season-long outlook. I still think by the playoffs, you're going to have this guy potentially be a league winner. So if you can hold out, go for it. But at this point, it, this kind of was on here to reiterate, you can cut Trey Lance if you need the space. And in bye week hell, a lot of us do need the space. I hate to admit it because he is my league winner. And I still could see it happening. But a lot of us have shallow benches and we need to send him packing. After him, we got uh, quarterback Taysom Hill remaining sideline on Thursday. This doesn't matter. Of course, you're not considering Taysom Hill in fantasy leagues, but Jameis Winston raises his floor a little bit. Maybe he gets another touchdown that he wouldn't have had because Taysom Hill comes into the goal line and runs it in. A guy that I'm going to talk about more in Hail Marys, so we'll pass on forward. But, yeah, decent just for Jameis. That's the only reason that note's on there. Moving on to the running backs, Antonio Gibson dealing with a shin injury, which sounds really unpleasant, returned to practice on Thursday. Obviously, we've been high on uh, McKissick's and, you know, his stock has got to be kind of going through the roof as a result of these Gibson injuries. Obviously, he brings a big cat uh, pass catching element also, but it is not clear whether he's going to see a full workload. I mean, Gibson, if he comes back, what do you think? There was a lot of speculation. He was going to go to the IR based on the fact that he was in and out of the game, only mustered 44 yards and 10 touches last time. And here he is practicing. A lot of people are like calling for the Washington football team's head saying this is malpractice. Mm. This is awful stuff. So I, I don't know. I It's risky to put him in there. But if he's in, the Green Bay Packers are one of the bottom teams in terms of rushing DVOA. Very generous against the run, just like they were last year. I'd probably have Gibson in my lineup should he be playing. But certainly a must track given that he was expected to lay on the IR by a lot of people just a couple days ago. Another running back. We're going through all our running backs here. Latavius Murray remains sidelined. If you're in desperation mode, maybe you toss in Freeman. Maybe you toss in Le'Veon Bell. My favorite of the three, though, would be Tyson Williams. He still has always consistently, even with Latavius taking over the backfield, has looked like the best back, in my opinion. I just don't know if I want any of the three. All three scored touchdowns last week. All three were viable last week. There's going to be plenty of weeks when Lamar Jackson has four touchdowns and none of them score, and that's what I'm expecting more weeks than not. I don't want to really deal with this backfield, just putting it out there. Throwing on the pile of people, not buys, but buys uh, included with injuries that are kind of high-profile guys, Saquon Barkley, he's got a low ankle sprain, and he remains sidelined for Thursday's practice as well. We're going to see some real dregs in some of these lineups if some of these guys can't play. Including Devontae Booker, who has scored in 11 times when he's seen 12 or more carries. He did not last week. It did come out. 
Uh, he didn't didn't end up getting in there, but still was elite in usage. I expect that to turn around. Damian Williams did not practice. The earliest he can come off because he was unvaccinated, which kind of surprised me given he didn't play all last year, given the COVID situation. I mean, think a guy like that would get – whatever. This is not a political podcast. Either way, I, I expect him – the earliest he could come off is Saturday now because he's unvaccinated, so maybe he gets activated. Either way, I'm probably avoiding this backfield. I will definitely be avoiding it if he is activated. If not, maybe you go to Khalil Herbert because you're desperate. But against Tampa Bay, I really don't want to play any of these guys. All right, let's move on to wide receivers. The fastest man in the NFL, allegedly, Tyreek Hill. Quad injury. He remained sidelined for Thursday's practice. Not sure how serious this is or not. Have you heard anything beyond that? No. He he was sidelined all last week and then still played and did pretty damn good. Touchdown, like what, eight catches, 80-something yards, 76 receiving line, never mind. Uh, So pretty damn close. But, yeah, solid guy. No worries there. I, I imagine he's playing and he's in your lineup. Obviously, just keep tracking that throughout the week just in case they sit him in the game. 57 and a half over under on that game. Points, points, mm. points. Tyreek Hill's going to put up. They're giving up the most points to wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, you know he's in your lineup. There's no right. doubt about that. Antonio Brown did not practice Wednesday or uh, Thursday now. That's getting to be a concern. Uh, it would obviously I'm concerned. be an ankle injury. Certainly, you should be concerned. Ankle injury against Chicago, one of the tougher matchups, but I don't really don't think there's a tough matchup. Like The Bucs are going to move the ball and throw touchdowns at will against everybody. This would just obviously clear up some volume, clear up some clarity for – clear up some clarity. That's a great line. Uh, for Mike, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, definitely a better situation should Antonio Brown be out for those guys. If Antonio Brown plays, he's actually my number one receiver of the Bucs. Yeah, I saw where you've got them. You got them like 10, 11, 12 in a row, which I actually thought was a smart right. way to rank them. Not, I mean, not even necessarily the order, although I kind of think healthy AB, I might lean towards him as their top guy. But I like how you just had them all in a row because I'm not really sure how you could distinguish them otherwise. Exactly. And he has the highest target share, most fantasy points per game, and most yardage in the three games they've all played together, which he's played the lowest snaps of the three, and yet he dominates. He just runs the yeah. rest Brady loves the most. I hate it. I'm, I'm an owner of his. I really hope he plays. And I hate watching the fact that he's not on the field like 40% of the time. It drives yeah. me crazy. I'm, and yet his numbers are as good or better than the other guys. Which Insane. Is, it's like great. Um, I might argue they should put him on the field a little more. Yeah. All right. T.Y. Hilton, quad injury. Speaking of a guy that was awesome six years ago, did not participate in Thursday's practice. Um, He said he's 50-50 to play in week seven against the Niners. He did have more targets than Pittman, though, last week. More yards. Came back with 80 yards. Looked like T.Y. of old. It would be nice to have him out there, but at this point, how could you trust him? Still worth a stash, in my opinion. Only 35% roster the last time I checked. I want to have him on my team, just on the bench at least to see what happens. Just still looked as explosive as ever. Giants receivers. We got Galladay still sidelined. We got Tony still sidelined. We got Shepard limited. We got Evan Ingram not practicing. They might be without an entire starting lineup. Shepard has a hamstring injury, which flared up. Uh, This could get ugly, folks. This could get real ugly. Should Shepard play? He's led the team in targets every game. He's made it all the way through. Saw 14 last week. I expect him to be right back into that 10 to 15 target range and be a very viable wide receiver too. If he's playing, he might not be though. Who knows who's going to be out there for the giants this week. Is that Des Bryant's music? <laughs> Seriously. Get him on in. Oh, no, wait, it's Terrell Owens. Yeah. All right. Traquan Smith dealing with hamstring issues, participated in saints practice on Thursday, but Deontay Harris did not. All right. Yeah. It's just one of that gross situations, one of the lowest volume passing attacks, but we did see an uptick these last few weeks. 
My answer to all this is get Marquez Callaway. They're all out there. Go for Callaway. I think this is going to be the week he really blows up for you and has a monstrous Monday night football performance. Julio Jones returned to Titans practice. This is kind of a shock. It seemed like he was going to be out this week. Does that lower A.J. Brown? Does this just make this more of a shootout game? We will find out. It's still, they, they said 50-50 or so to play, so it's not like he's in the green yet, but he is practicing. That's encouraging news if you have him. And to be honest, facing the Chiefs, giving up the most points, one of the most generous teams to wide receivers. And again, I want to keep emphasizing, 57.5 over under, which I think might be yeah. even too low this week. That game could go crazy. You probably have Julio in your lineup if he's in there. Remember when we used to think this guy was good? Devontae Parker. Returned to practice on Wednesday. Shoulder, hamstring issues. Uh, He's back. He's missed the last two games. He's not guaranteed to suit up. Does this move the needle for you at all? No, not really. I mean, he's facing Atlanta, so that's – and by week help, anybody facing Atlanta – Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, you might actually have to put in there. I love Jalen Waddell. This could interfere with his targets just a little bit, but wanted to throw that out there. And two guys that are not in there, Sammy Watkins or Curtis Samuel, did not practice. Both are unlikely to play. The only mention of note there is Rashad Bateman did see the most targets among receivers last week after only running 66% of the routes. He might become an every-down player and somewhat viable against Cincinnati this week. Let's get to tight ends, hit those guys for us. There's only one team we got to cover. All right, O.J. Howard returned to practice on Thursday. Rob Gronkowski did not practice on Thursday. Bam. And I think O.J. Howard, we'll save it for the tight end higher, lower, Hail Mary. He's not a terrible player. I think he's a viable streamer, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But as we get into higher, lower, Hail Mary, guys, that thumbs up. We're going to get there. We see 53 questions. Don't worry. Right. We're going to blaze Yeah, yeah, we'll get it. We're actually Hail moving Mary. pretty fast right now, so we'll we're get to all We're moving at a great clip, as we always do. So we'll get to all those questions. Keep them coming in. We've had Thursdays where we've gotten 400 questions, so 53. And we got through them all, too. We got through them all. So get them on in. Get that thumbs up in. Share it out. Retweet. Share all that good stuff. Let's go. Thursday night football. Horrible game. It doesn't matter. We're drinking, folks. We're having a good time. Let's. We are drinking. The Wolf texted me like an hour before the pod and said, I think I'm getting drunk tonight. And I didn't know if that meant before the the pod, after the pod, or during the pod, or if it was like his kind of passive way of saying, I'm too drunk to do the pod. Oh, no, um, not that. All right. the, the well, I, mean, I was happy. Deep. I didn't I didn't care about any of the other ones. I just wanted to make sure we were doing the pod. <laughs> the The only answer for that one, Matt, is D, all of the above. Before, right. during, after, all of it. <laughs> Let's go. All right, sounds good. I mean, I'll tell you what makes a crappy Thursday night football game more fun, getting tanked. All right. That's where we're at. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, quarterbacks, guy you're higher on, Tua, going up against the Falcons. Obviously, that matchup is the crux of this ranking. You got him as your QB eight. I'm actually, I want to talk about your higher and lower kind of as a package. Can we do that? You got your QB. He's your QB eight, five higher than the experts. And he's less than 50% rostered. Tannehill's your lower guy going against KC, another terrible pass offense, but you got him at 13. So the experts like Tannehill at eight to at 13, you got him exactly flipped. Also, you're lower on Daniel Jones. Uh, I don't really care as much about that one. Talk to me about uh, why you think you and the experts feel opposite about Tua and Tannehill. Well, Tua, for one, I mean, comes back from injury. First game back, 47 pass attempts. 37 of them came when it was a neutral or they were a head situation. So it wasn't like they were playing behind all game. They were just letting this guy rope the ball. He threw for 329 yards, two touchdowns, 22 fantasy points with the QB 10 in his first action back. Yes, it was against Jacksonville, but guess what? Atlanta they were in London, up- though. That's like playing the 86 Celtics in the Garden. Exactly. Like the hardest matchup you could possibly ask for. The the Jags in London. Nothing more ferocious than them. 
But now you get Atlanta, even more generous than the Jags. They're at home here, and they apparently have two on the trade block. I imagine those 47 pass attempts were partly showing what does this guy have? Let's drum up his trade value. And against Atlanta, what better matchup than continuing to let this guy just uncork it? I think he's going to have a field day against Atlanta. I love Matt Ryan, too, who's out there in a lot of waiver wires. That's a game, I think the over-under is like 47 and a half. They are crap defenses with sneaky, actually decent offenses. In particular, Atlanta has been starting to take off a bit. I really like Tua in this matchup in a showcase for his trade value. I think they're going to let him rope the ball around, and he's going to have great success doing it. Now, Tannehill... It's really just about production at this point. He's had great matchups throughout the year, and he's had only one game where he's been above the QB 17. QB 24, 24, QB 8, 23 points. Every other game, 17, 22, 19. He's been a 15 or under in all but two games this year. And uh, yeah, Kansas City, a great spot. We keep emphasizing that over-under. And now that Julio's back, maybe I'll bump him up a spot or two, but I still think Kansas City – the worst team in terms of yards per carry allowed, in terms of DVOA against the run. What are you going to do against this team? You're going to feed the motherfucking beast that has three touchdowns in like four straight games that just cannot be stopped. That guy, Henry. (laughs) I mean, can can we just real quick in the quarterback lower section talk a little bit about Derrick Henry? I mean, good freaking God. Like He's what? What a monster that! Guy. I mean, I, I know I'm not. This is not a hot take exactly, but geez, what are you supposed to do with that guy? I think there's no bigger uh, hit to Tannehill's value than Derrick Henry. A hundred percent. And it, yeah, it's not a hot take. Matt, in the preseason, and I've got shit on a lot for this, and I can't believe it. It was a hot take to be like Derrick Henry's should be in your top two. People were like, he's actually the first rounder, most likely to bust because he doesn't catch passes. What? fucking universe is the best running back that we've seen in a generation who cares if he catches passes never mind the fact that he's actually catching passes this year which is just a whole new ceiling unlocked even if he wasn't catching passes i saw this stat the other day even if you eliminate all these catches he would still be the running back one in ppr leagues it doesn't matter it only helps him none no less obviously no doubt about it but still the guy is a complete fucking monster i know we're on qbs i don't even know how i know I'm, I, I'm sorry but i mean but it's i just, just it's I, I could talk about him all day i couldn't believe the amount of crap i got like you are so wrong to have this guy in number two when he doesn't catch passes you don't consider all fast shut the fuck up like come on <laughs> it's Derek henry folks and that's all you need to know but yes Tannehill, and that, all this is to say is right, which is just an extremely long-winded way of saying Tannehill's not going to do as well as the experts <laughs> big hit to him and and daniel jones at home is actually way worse than on the road. Shocking. I don't get it. I don't know why, but he is horrible at the Meadowlands. Now, we, as we just talked about, all his receivers are depleted. Maybe even Shepard's going to be out. That's not a great matchup for Carolina, who's going to be welcoming in Stefan Gilmore, one of the hardest matchups before Gilmore arrived for QBs. I can't imagine it gets easier when one of the best cornerback arrives on the scene. This is going to be one of those classics, just like last week was against the Rams. We're going to see three picks two fumbles, just a gross Daniel Jones day. So I can't believe he's ranked top 15. I get he has some Konami upside, like all that stuff. But even in two QB leagues, I I would hope I have a better option than Daniel Jones this week. All right. I was going to say we're going to get more efficient now because that took forever. But, um, you know, I see you actually have four guys in your Hail Mary list. So maybe not. I'll go through them you, you have Tua, then Jameis, both above 30% rostered. So maybe mm-hmm. they don't count as Hail Mary. So Heineke again, if that's cheating, then Jimmy G. 
Yeah. So again, <laughs> I just want to emphasize, you want to go to Tua, you want to go to Jameis first. Jameis coming off the most neutral script passes he's had all year. 30 pass attempts. They're finally letting the guy uncork it. It seems like Sean Payton's realized if I have Jameis, I just have to let the guy take training wheels off and let him go. And again, since Seattle has given up the 10th most points to QBs, a good spot for him to let it go on Monday night football. But as I said, you know, both are 30% roster. That might be a cheat for a Hail Mary. So I go this guy three straight weeks. So that feels like cheating again. Heineke, he hasn't delivered. <laughs> Last week was a complete bust when we were, I was locked in on him. My QB 10 didn't do the thing. But two, at, before two weeks ago, 20 or more points in three straight games. Was a QB 12 for three straight games. Has he been figured out? Is he toast? Maybe. But if I'm desperate, well, nobody else is turning to him. He got cut everywhere. He's rostered, I think, 15% leagues or less right now. He gets a Green Bay defense that has no Jair Alexander that's been getting quite routinely just destroyed through the air right now. I think Heineke, they're going to need points. They're going to be chasing points. A great play. And if that's cheating because I've given him, you know, two of the last three weeks, I've had Heineke, my guy. He worked out once, didn't work out the other time. I really don't hate Jimmy G with no Trey Lance. Like oh, I don't either. I mean, he's gonna, they're going to rely on Eli Mitchell in the backfield. I'm going to talk about why I'm lower on him in a second. I don't buy into the Eli Mitchell machine. I'm going Jimmy G. I think Debo Samuel, we've seen this defense get destroyed deep. I think Debo, I think Ayuk, I think those guys are going to have field days. And Jimmy G is going to have one of those. He's good for like two or three of these a year where he has like 300 yards, three or four touchdowns, and they just bomb. Fresh out of the bye week, I think Shanahan's going to work some magic. And I think Jimmy G is a very viable streamer this week. Must watch. Is Sam Darnold truly toast or can he be trusted in the right matchups? Also, will Justin Fields offer any 21 2021 viability? I'm skeptical on that one, I got to say, but I am interested. I know this is a must watch. And is Sam Darnold truly toast? I don't think he's that great. He's had three complete dud weeks after starting as a stud. And then you look at the matchups and you're like, yeah. It was rushing easy. touchdowns though, you know? Rushing touchdowns and easy, easy toast defenses. But the Giants, the fifth most points, I think, to quarterbacks. I think Darnold, if he can't do it against the Giants, he's not doing it against anybody the rest of the year. He may be figured out. He may be done. I think this is either the get right spot and you can kind of get a little juice back or it's just cut bait and never look back. Uh, at this point. So that's why I want to watch him in this Panthers offense and see what he does. And then Justin Fields against Tampa Bay, you're going to need points. You're going to need to run for your life. Is he going to do it? Is he, he's at, he's off a season high 13 fantasy points last week. First time in double digits. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields. Could he get to 20 though this week of all the weeks, this is the type of matchup, the fourth most points to quarterbacks. You just need to rope it against Tampa Bay. You need to run all over the place. Could he do it? Maybe, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not buying on it. That's why I'd rather have Jimmy G in my lineup than Justin Fields. I'd like to see it. I'd like to watch, but yeah, I, I'm not into it. Agree. All right, we're going to get into running backs, and the first guy we're going to talk about is actually somebody that we're getting a decent amount of questions about, probably because he's playing here in a few minutes. People want to yes, know what sir. to do. Kind of some similar Alex Collins vibes from a week or two ago. A guy you're higher on, uh, Dernest. I don't know if it's Dernest or Dernest. Johnson. I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation, but you know who I'm talking about. He's going against Denver. He's the RB14, eight spots higher than the experts. You also like J.D. McKissick, who I referenced earlier in the injury report. He's at the Packers. You got him as your RB21, four spots above the experts. Great examples of some guys that are higher than you would expect, whether it was by you or the expert consensus, because of all these guys that are out. Exactly. Let's start with Dearness Johnson. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mr. I Ernest, think you're right. we'll call him. The Ernest man himself. Why to like him? Why am I plus eight on the ECR? What well, one? The bronze ground pie. First in attempts, 194. 
first in rush yards on the year. They already have 1,011 rush yards on the year. They're first in yards per carry, 5.2, and they're first in team TDs on the ground, 12. Derrick Henry's pretty damn close with 10 himself, but he's the only one that scored touchdowns on the ground. So the Browns are first in every single meaningful rushing category. Yes, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, of course, help buoy those. They're two incredible, the best backfield duo you could ask for in the NFL. Still, I think a huge part of that is the line. The zone blocking scheme is one of the best. Uh, And the fact that they just call so much run game volume throughout the game, they're averaging 32 attempts, 168 yards, and two TDs on the ground every game. I'm not saying that all that's going to go to Dearness or that they're even going to come close to those averages when they're missing Jack Conklin, when they have Case Keenum at quarterback. There are definitely concerns in that sense, never mind the fact that it's a tough Broncos defense. But I think Dearness Johnson's not that bad. Whenever he's gotten the rushing attempts, 33 carries in his career, he had 166 yards on those, over five yards a pop. He's caught 10 of his 12 targets for 92 yards, 9.2 yards a pop. He is. Everybody thinks, oh, well, he's the clear-cut only rushing down guy, right? He is the USF, uh, University of South Florida's all-time leader in all-purpose yards, running back receptions, running back receiving yards. The guy can catch the ball, folks. And so, yes, this is definitely a one-week plug-in, but everyone assumes that Felton, who I actually am at Hail Mary, we're going to talk about himself in a little bit. I like Felton, too. But everyone's like, oh, it's automatically Felton, the receiving back, right? He's going to automatically be the cream hunt. Well, Johnson can catch the ball. There's a world where he's the lead back this week and then plays the hunt role in future weeks. So I love rostering him, and I certainly am going to roll him out this week and buy a week help. Never mind that. It, the guy's nickname, the Junkyard Dog, for his penchant of racking up tough, ugly yardage. You have the Junkyard Dog? Come on. You're playing the Junkyard Dog. Let's go. <laughs> JYD. All JYD, right. baby. Let's talk lower. Eli Mitchell. Uh, I think it's just you just kind of don't believe the Eli Mitchell hype. Going against the Colts, RB22, eight spots below the X. Oh, I did, they actually, I, I, Matt, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you up, but I did want to touch because oh, okay. we do make this a uh, a podcast, and this wouldn't matter. This Dearness Johnson rant doesn't matter. So I'll either look like an idiot or I'll look great on the podcast tomorrow. We'll find out. We did you mention J.D. McKissick, and yeah. I do want to talk about him for everybody playing on Sunday listening to the podcast right now. It's been very boomer bust. He's either had one point or he's had 15 or more. But the good news about that boom or bust nature is the booms have come in games where it's clear they're going to be behind and they're clear they're going to need to throw to the running back. Well, guess what? They're facing Green Bay. Green Bay is going to destroy this team, giving up the most points to everything right now. Most points to total teams, most points to quarterbacks, receivers. They're going to destroy them and they're going to be in comeback mode. And regardless of, of Antonio Gibson's injury, should he be out, skyrocketed even further. But even if he plays, this is a McKissick game in all intents and purposes. He had 16 touches last week, eight carries, eight catches. I think this is another 12 to 20, whatever that range ends up being, depends on Gibson's injury. But either way, you get 12-plus touches for McKissick. That, well, that's happened on all these bad scripts for that, the, the, off, the, the defense rather. He, he eats every single time. I think you can pencil him right in for 14 to 15 points at least uh, given this matchup because they're not a good pass defense. They're not a good run defense, and they're going to be putting up points, Green Bay is, against this team. So McKissick, a great stream this week if you have him. All right, we're going to get to lower. We definitely need to make sure we we get through these because we uh, do have a lot of Darren. Seventy Johnson questions. questions. I see it. I see well, it. well, a lot of them are about him, so I want to make sure anybody that's watching tonight gets those answered in plenty of time. Hell All right, yeah. guy, guy, you're lower on Eli Mitchell going against the Colts. RB2, uh, 22, eight spots below the experts. Also, Chase Edmonds, you don't like. Similar amount. You got him as RB23, eight spots below the experts also. 
I can't believe the experts had those guys 14 and 15, respectively, by the way. It, it makes no sense to me. Eli Mitchell, he had that one great week against Detroit. Well, guess what? Detroit gives up the most points to running backs. Other than that one 16-point affair, he's had six and seven points. Even against Arizona, where he saw 80% of the workload and snaps, he only had seven points. Now he gets Indy, who's given up the third fewest points to running back, one of the best linebacking crews in the entire NFL. No, thanks. I get so many questions about playing Eli Mitchell. Not for me this week, folks. Uh, tough matchup. Hasn't gotten it done other than the easiest possible matchup. I'm all the way out on him. And then in terms of the other running back that I'm lower on was Chase Edmonds. The guy hasn't done anything in two straight weeks because James Conner's kind of taken over this backfield. Certainly when the positive game script's there and what do you expect against Houston? You think they're going to need to throw to their running backs against Houston? No, they're going to be bleeding clock all day. We've seen three and seven points from Chase Edmonds in half PPR leagues the last two weeks. The running back 56 and 37. This is the James Conner week. This is, and I'm facing him. So I cut him and I'm facing him. There is no way that James Conner puts anything less up than two touchdowns. And Chase Edmonds is absolutely nothing just because of that old bad blood. But he hasn't been anything special these last two weeks, six and four carries. And a week when they're going to – he might see four to, to eight more this week, but he won't see any catches because they're not going to need to throw to running backs against Houston. No need. Hail Mary. Demetric Felton going against Denver tonight. RB 29, 13 above the experts, 21% rostered. Also, you like Ramondre Stevenson. I'm still waiting on this one to blow up. Um, going against the Jets, not a bad time to do it. He's only 19% rostered. Exactly. Uh, Felton will start with him. Uh, again, I'd obviously prefer Dearness Johnson. He's the lead back. I think he sees the most touches. Felton's pretty damn electric, though. He had like a 60-yard receiving touchdown in just week two. He played a lot of slot snaps. He's kind of that, that convert wide receiver running back who led the uh, the entire Pac-12 in all-purpose yardage just a couple seasons ago under Chip Kelly. Very versatile. 165 a game, 2,258 all-purpose yards that year. Speed. Not that great, four five nine for his lackluster size, but a great receiver. One of those dynamite type of guys that's a big play waiting to happen on a team that kind of needs it, certainly out of the backfield. Wouldn't be surprised to see him rack up six catches or so tonight. So PPR viable, in my opinion. And then Ramondre Stevenson, last week saw 14% target share. This is like a big James White-style role. That's the highest Patriots running back target share other than James White three weeks ago when he was actually healthy. So if he's now taking over that Bolden role, you're looking at four to six catches. And then a great bet as this big body, <laughs> here comes the beer, uh, this great bet as a big body to plow into the end zone. He scored last week, gets the Jets. Detroit's giving up the most points to running backs. The Jets are not far behind at number two. So yeah, I think Harris has a big day. I think Ramondre though, especially if there's some mop-up duty to have and certainly some receiving work throughout the game, a very viable stream this week into bye week hell. All right, real quick, some must-watches. Antonio Gibson's health. We already talked about that. Cordero Patterson backfield takeover. I kind of feel like it's already happened. And uh, the Ravens distribution, if Latavius Murray is out. That one does interest me. Yeah, Patterson, the the backfield takeover seems like it's happened because he's so much better than Mike Davis. I mean, he's the running back, what, four in fantasy right now? Yeah, it's It's insane. I got him for 18 waiver dollars. Oh my God. Unbelievable. I cut him for Christian Kirk in week one and I still want to just throw myself out the window. Oh God, that's I know. I thought I was so savvy and smart picking him up and then drop. Like I have him in four or five leagues. It's more my main league that I just dropped him in like an idiot. That's how it always goes. Doesn't it? Uh, yeah. But Corderell, it, it seems like it is his backfield because of how damn highlight real plays every single week he is. But Last week was the first time, or two weeks ago, rather, the first time he actually out-carried Davis, 14 to 13. 
Does that continue this week to even further? Does he see 20 carries? Like, I just want to see this role continue to climb because why the hell not? He is one of the best playmakers in the NFL, and he's been killing it. Remember yeah, we, said, we said his floor is like 15 points PPR. Probably. It's unbelievable. Lock him in in every meaningful way. Uh, Ravens distribution if Murray's out, though, is just does one per does Tyson Williams more? It's really more about him. Can he take this backfield back over? Because he looked so damn good those first two weeks, had double-digit fantasy points, was like, oh, my God, Tyson Williams, the best pick of the year. And then he disappeared for three straight weeks. Could Murray be out and let Tyson Williams open the door for this guy to reclaim the backfield? I'll stash him and find out, no doubt about it. We got 35, 36 minutes until kickoff. Plenty of time to get to everything. Plenty of time. We'll get we'll do five and give us a three light. minutes for tight ends, five minutes for receivers. No, we're, we're good. Everything. We we always get through them all, folks. 75 questions. I can't fucking wait to see what you guys got for us. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Right. We will hit them all. Let's go. Wide receivers. Speaking of a guy that I thought I was savvy and picked up off waivers and then dropped a couple weeks later, Marquez Callaway going against the Seahawks. Wide receiver 28, eight spots above the experts. You also like Brandon Ayuk, another guy I loved at the beginning of the year that it has been a little disappointing. Going against the Colts, wide receiver 35, five spots higher than the experts. Yeah, I just think Callaway, you remember that like Monday He's night due, right? season game where he lit it up? Well, we get Monday night game again. And yeah, I know that seems stupid to like put our money on a preseason Monday night transition. After that, when that game happened, I got a text from you as he caught his second touchdown that said, and you said, please tell me that you have picked up Marquez Callaway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I immediately picked him up and was real smug about it for about two weeks. And I feel that way again this week. He had two touchdowns last week. Yes, one of them was a Hail Mary second half, blah, blah, blah. That's because they're finally letting Jameis uncork it. They're finally letting Callaway do his thing. And Callaway finally has easy matchups. He started with three of the hardest possible matchups for cornerbacks. Then he got an easy one finally, and he lit it up. And now he has Seattle giving up the six most points to receivers. Tampa Bay coming up in a week. I think you're going to get a nice stretch of Callaway being that receiver you need in your lineup. He's only 30% rostered right now. I'm throwing him in everywhere I possibly can because a Hail Mary on Monday night. What's better than that? I certainly think he's going to get deep for at least one score, even with Traquan back. Great. Traquan back takes some defensive attention. I really think Marquez is going to have a day against this bad Seattle defense. And I love Brandon Ayuk. We talked about Indy and their struggles defending deep. Look at Brandon Cooks last week. Look at Marquise Brown two weeks ago going for like 40 points. I mean, they cannot defend deep. And Brandon Ayuk profiles very similarly to Cooks. And Marquise Brown, the exact type of receiver that Indy is struggling with. And they had their number one corner for those games. Xavier Rhodes is – not Xavier Rhodes. I forget who it is. Their number one corner is knocked out this week. That's all I know. And Brandon Ayuk, yes, he's been trouble all year. But Jimmy Garoppolo being back, yes, I know fantasy purposes for quarterback, not as exciting as Trey Lance. But for the wide receivers, that certainly is a nice boost. Debo, my number five receiver, I love him. But Brandon Ayuk would not be shocked at all to see him start turning around his season as early as this week. Fresh off the bye. Let's get this guy involved. All right, lower makes me sad to see that T. Higgins is on this list, but I do get it. You got him as your wide receiver 25, three below the experts, really not a huge discrepancy. You've also got Allen Robinson, wide receiver 37, 11 spots below the experts. Rondell Moore going against Houston, you got him at 41, six below the experts. Let me just uh, just make a beeline for Allen Robinson real quick. Please. First do. of all, two things. First of all, I don't know how the experts can have this guy wide receiver 26. I don't Second of all, you need to ease up on Allen Robinson. Like you're, you, he, we get it. He's terrible. Like not, he's not terrible, but for fantasy purposes, there's no point. This is getting to the point where it's like the experts are going to continually rank this guy in a ridiculous spot. What'd you say his highest thing of the year was? Like wide receiver forty five. Oh, we'll get one that. week. I, I something like that. that. 
Like he hasn't cracked yeah. the top four. I mean, I think you're too high on him for God's sakes. Like yeah. he's not going to beat the third. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe because all these guys are out on bye. Maybe he'll be 37. This poor guy. He's awful. T. Higgins, though. <laughs> Let's start with him. The the Ravens are very, very good against outside receiver. And Marlon Humphrey uh, on the outside. They're DVOA against outside receivers, top three in the game. They're DVOA against the slot, one of the worst in the game. So it's one of those matches where Higgins is always out wide. He's actually been the wide receiver 30, 29, 44, and 57. He's been a touchdown or bust type of option. And if you think he's going to score this week, great, go for it. But they're one of the better defenses in terms of allowing touchdowns to outside receivers. I don't think T. Higgins is going to have that day that we expect. As we mentioned, Allen Robinson, just to reiterate, wide receiver 67, 45, 78, 51, 66, and 46. 45 so how are you coming finish. up with wide receiver 37 there? I, I don't understand. Let's not even talk about the experts. Let's just talk about your They're 26. They're wide receiver 26. No, that's crazy. But honestly, based on what you just said, 37 is kind of crazy. Maybe I'm – It's eight spots higher than he's ever been. And it's one of those things, okay, every single (laughs) week. Guys, like, and I'm sure he's in the comments, and I love it if he is. Mike Clay over on Facebook, love you, brother. Every week he's like, well, this is the week where they're going to be down and they're going to have to throw, and it's the right narrative, right? And yes, yes, that's true. They're down against Tampa Bay. They're going to have to throw against Tampa Bay, and it doesn't matter because he's had the right narrative for multiple weeks. He's had the narrative only takes you so far. If I were all of a sudden getting a shot in the NFL this week, the narrative would be amazing. They just this old guy who's never really played football. He's completely out of shape. He's going to come in. What a hero story! And the truth of the story story. would be. Nat the Truth Jones was killed on his first drop back of the game <laughs> when Aaron Donald came in and throttled him. And yeah. so the narrow the narrative did not exactly it'll only take you so far, folks. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and even if you look at last week, he was streaking wide open on the field. He should have had a 70-yard touchdown. But guess what? He didn't because Fields missed him. Fields is not looking for him. Fields doesn't have the reads down yet. Don't get Allen Robinson in your lines. It's just it, as good as the narrative is, and I understand the narrative. I'm not playing him. In fact, I'm probably cutting him where I have to. At this point. And the, uh, the last one, Rondell Moore. I've got a lot of sit starts about him, so I just wanted to toss him out there. Yes, it's Houston. They're pathetic. I get it. But Rondell Moore has never played more than 55% of the snaps. He's in and out. It's it's just so inconsistent in terms of usage. And against Houston, who's surprisingly the fifth hardest matchup for receivers, not because they're good, but because they're actually so bad that you right, don't need you, to throw right, against You them. don't have to throw. <laughs> you don't have to use your Rondell Moores. You don't have to go into five receiver sets where Rondell Moore actually plays. He's been the wide receiver 105, 68, 26. He had 12 points against San Fran and then 69. It is two good weeks amidst a shitstorm of awful games. And yeah, Houston seems like it should be a good game, but they're sneakily actually tough against receivers because of how bad they actually are, which doesn't make sense, but it kind of makes sense if you know no, what I, I hear mean. You. I hear you. And there's a lot of choices in Arizona, too, to throw yeah. the ball to if you if you choose to throw, which seems like you don't have to. Hail Mary, Donovan Peoples-Jones tonight, 15% rostered. Alan no longer. I'm, right, I'm right but I was going to say, like, we're going to scratch that. Lazard, Alan Lazard, 3% rostered. Um, and also he's going against Washington and Kendrick Bourne, 4% rostered going against the Jets. Anybody going against the Jets, probably worth a crapshoot, right? Yeah, and shockingly, the Jets are actually the second hardest matchup for receivers. I don't know how or why they have nobody on the secondary I could name right now. Literally no one. I actually have no idea who's in their secondary. They're terrible. But somehow they're limiting teams. Maybe it's the Houston narrative where they're so bad against the run and they're just bad that you don't need to throw against them. Let's start with Lazard. He had a touchdown last week, first week without uh, MBS. 
And now you get Washington, who is giving up the most yards per reception other than Tennessee, the second most points to wide receivers. I think Lazard has a nice deep touchdown against Washington this week. And as a Hail Mary in this bye week hell, all you really want is one long touchdown. So I don't hate him at all as a streamer. Was the wide receiver 30 last week. I think he could get into that range this next week. Kendrick Bourne has actually been sneaky, pretty damn good these last few weeks. Uh, well, I shouldn't say last few weeks. He had 19 two weeks, three weeks ago. He had 14 last week. It's all big player bust, but against the Jets, I could see this guy shaking free for a big play. So Kendrick Bourne, Lazard, if you need a Hail Mary, big play, these are the guys you're looking at. All right, must watch now or never for an A.J. Brown breakout week. Also, can Jalen Waddle keep rolling? Uh, and then we're going to roll through tight ends real fast so we can hit this growing mailbag. Absolutely. A.J. Brown, you know, all you guys holding on to him at this point, if he doesn't get it against Kansas City done, like it, it, this kind of feels like the Jags all over again. No Julio against the Jaguars, and he didn't get it done. But against Kansas City, where they're actually going to need points, they didn't need him against the Jags because Henry was just doing his thing. You're going to need points against Kansas City. If he is not a factor in this game, then when is he ever going to be a factor? So this is it. It's now or never. If you hadn't traded him already, you have him on your roster. You're either getting a game out of A.J. Brown or you're just fucked the rest of the year. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. And then Jalen Waddle, he said out of his four games, two of them, he's had 14 or more. I mean, it's crazy. The target share he's seeing. Let's see if he can finally get deep, keep it rolling against Atlanta. I, I'm very excited to see. Can this guy really be a top 20 receiver moving forward? That's where I have him in my rankings. I'd love to have him in my lineups this week. Uh, and I'm excited to see, does this guy keep it rolling? All right, let's fly through tight ends. Noah Fine, oh, yeah. we got higher going against Cleveland tonight. Tight end five, three spots above the experts. You also like Zach Ertz, which will be nice for the podcast listeners. Going against Houston, tight end nine, three above the experts. I don't like Ertz anywhere near as much as you. Uh, we won't. We don't have to get into it, though, because we don't have a ton of time. So make your pitch. Yeah, well, the first game without uh, Albert O, the alphabet, we saw Noah Fant go for 20 fantasy points. The tight end won last week. 11 fucking targets. Nine catches, 97 yards, and a score. The guy is just going to get insane volume without the other tight end, Albert O, out there. And against Cleveland, middle of the pack against the, the, the tight end position. I don't think it matters against defensive rating. I think Noah Fant is just so athletic, and he's starting to really come into his own. Big fan of him tonight. You obviously know you're playing him, but I did get so many starts about him already in my DMs. Shocked. You got to have this guy in your lineup. My number five tight end, three spots above the ECR, but uh, I mean, the tight end won last week. I think he's going to be right up there. And then Zach Ertz, he looks a little less dusty than he looked last year. He he seems to be moving around better, and now he goes to the, the obviously explosive offense of the Cardinals, which, oh, there's too many miles of feed, right? Well, they peppered Max Williams with 16 targets across three weeks before he got hurt. Now he gets Houston, the most generous team to tight ends. They've given up a touchdown every single week but one. I think Zach Ertz, they're going to try to – this is the type of game where like it's almost like practice, right, where you just pepper this guy, try to get him established, get that rapport going because you have nothing else. I mean, this is literally like a practice against your scout team against Houston right here. The most generous team. It's kind. Of, it reminds me of A.B. when he came to the Pats a couple of years ago and they were playing Miami and he had like two touchdowns in the first couple drives. Like They're just going to want to get this guy established and get him going. I really think Zach Ertz has a field day against Houston and has at least a touchdown in 50 to 60 yards. TJ Hogginson's a guy you're lower on again, going against the Rams tight yeah. end seven, two spots below the experts. Not a huge discrepancy. No. And it's not like I'm like sitting here. I hate you bench TJ. You probably play him if you have him. And last week I was lower. He had 11 points. He was a tight end seven. I, I, that's actually exactly where I had him ranked. So I ended up being spot on. I, I, the Rams just a good defense. I think they're really going to have the, the ears uh, pinned back to go after Goff this week. And I'm worried about Hawkinson. Again, yes, last week he was the tight end seven. 
before that, tight end 35, 20, and 35. He seemed healthy. He was moving around better. I like that. I think it's a tough matchup on a team that I don't really want to ever go against the Rams. Hail Mary, CJ Uzuma, 15% owned going at Baltimore. We both talked about OJ Howard uh, in Gronk's absence playing against Chicago. Only 3% owned. That one really speaks to me. I absolutely. Uzuma himself uh, t- caught a touchdown last week. Three weeks ago, had two touchdowns and 24 fantasy points. Was the tight end one in fantasy. So it's not like this guy is without upside. He was literally a league with Nobody had him in their lineups that week. Let's be real. But still, Baltimore's given up the third most points to tight ends. They're good against outside receivers. I could see Uzuma slipping his way into the end zone. I really like him, but I also love O.J. Howard, who did practice today, as we talked about. He's coming off a six-catch, 49-yard day in a touchdown. Was the tight end four last week with 14 fantasy points. And now he gets Chicago. They're kind of middle of the pack against tight ends with no Gronk. If This is obviously assuming Gronk sits. If Gronk somehow plays, then, of course, you can't touch O.J. Howard. But as, as long as Gronk sits... We know how much Tom Brady loves tight ends. Brady had every single opportunity to establish himself as the guy. Never did. They give O.J. Howard that chance last week, and look what he did. A monstrous day. He was running all after the catch. This guy looked like a dynamite player. I, I think he is so talented. He always has been. He finally looked fully healthy. Only 3% rostered blows my mind. This guy, is. if Gronk misses time, I think could be a top seven tight end every single week moving forward. So I love this guy. Must watch Zach Ertz fit in Arizona. We just kind of talked about that, but also interested to see if Kyle Pitts can encore. Yeah, that last game, I mean, it was without Kyle, without Calvin Ridley. So that's kind of the rub here. But 119 yards, one score, 22 fantasy points. The last time we saw Kyle Pitts, does he build upon that and continue to ascend into the, the promised one, the best rookie tight end we've ever seen? Or does he take a step back now that Calvin Ridley's back on the field? Must watch TV for me. My tight end four either way. Facing Miami, I think these guys going to have a field day, and I think my answer is he does continue to ascend. Either way, I'll be watching that very closely. Trades that we couldn't get to because we are in rapid-fire mode. What's the best way to get something like that answered? Because I don't want anybody to think we're blowing them off. Like We do want to answer everyone's questions, just like when we're pressed for time. Uh, if we're going to analyze a trade, it's going to take us at least 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and that's time we don't have at that point. What's the best way to get that done? Well, one, you can donate a super chat and we'll answer anything that you guys want. You can ask me literally any question about fantasy or not fantasy. Right, or anything about your well, super personal chat. life, my personal life. Yeah, exactly. Life. I'll go as deep as you guys want. So that's one way. Um, you can message me on Twitter, but honestly, this is the best way to reach me. The The better shows are a little less popular than the Thursday night one is, uh, you know, throughout the week, we have our rest of season big board on Monday. Great time to ask trade questions. You know, the, the Wednesday ranking show, it's not down to the wire with uh, that coming up to the, the list. So, yeah, trade Devonta Smith for Goddard was that money. Uh, I I would prefer Devonta, but if you really need a tight end, Goddard could be crazy. And, again, guys, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate that, Thomas. Good show. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. If you liked what you heard, hit that sub button, hit the bell so you're here live with us and we can get your question nice and early. As always, it's so appreciated, though, especially you guys throwing the super chats. And I, I got a shout out again. Uh, who was it? Ryan Evans. Yeah. Donated 50 bucks to the show. That was insane. You're the man. Thank you so much. I really hope T Higgins beats the shit out of Jarvis Landry this week. If not, Ryan Evans will be in contact. I'll make sure to uh, get you your, your money back. Um, so, but thanks yeah. again for the support guys, you right. guys, me and the world, all these rankings will be up at rotatreetjournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. I'm the wolf. I'm the truth. Thanks again, guys, for being here. Best of luck in week seven. I'll be live 
with CJ at 11 a.m. Sunday. So hope to see you there. If we didn't get your question, we did. We got all the questions tonight. But if you have another thing to check in on Sunday, we'll be there for you. Later, guys. Later. Now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd. And take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.